All right, I'm going to pray, and we'll dive into our time of teaching. Um, Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for a new year. We are really grateful for a new year, like more than we ever have been. Um, and we thank you that you walk, you walk, you go ahead of us into this year, that you have plans for us this year, you have good works prepared for us, you have transformation for us this year, you have aspects of our sanctification we didn't know were coming this year, and your presence um, is before us this year. And so we just ask that we could step into this next season and that you would take us by the hand and lead us this year into what you have for us. And that we would trust you. We wouldn't pull our hand back in fear, um, but by faith we would take it and we would trust you with all of our lives, not just some of it. And that you would do, um, you would change us, that you would um, develop us and grow us and that we would look more like Jesus at the end of 2021 than we did at the beginning. And it's in his name we pray, amen. So uh, if you guys are new, it's a good time to be new. Today it's a new year, but we're also starting a new sermon series, okay? So um, we're starting a series called We Change Together. And the tagline of the series is Becoming Like Jesus in Community. And we think it's an important time to start a series like this because pretty, it's pretty, pretty, we're pretty early into a brand new year. And typically it's at this time of the year when we reflect on our lives and we think about the changes we would like to make. A mentor of mine, he encourages me to think about the five F's. When I think about goals, he actually says the five F words, which is stressful, so it's just the five F's. Um, But he says, when you think about goals for your new year, you think about, uh, he says, I encourage you to think about family and faith and friendship and finances and fitness. And again, if that kind of stresses you out with uh, the the F word stuff, um, one way to think about it are the different areas of health. And so spiritual health, kind of financial health, physical health, emotional health relational health. And it's important that we have changed goals because as fallen human beings with deteriorating bodies and minds, we don't move accidentally towards health in a fallen world. Um, uh, And again, for example, if we don't have this, we just end up places we don't want to be. But for example, how many of you guys are planning this year? You're making big plans. You're planning on going into debt and buying a bunch of depreciating assets. How many of you guys are planning on that this year? Depreciating assets, right? Big financial goal. Um, How many of you guys are planning on uh, engaging in unhealthy, sinful relational patterns this year where you alienate both your family and friends? Anybody? Maybe dabble in some passive aggression this year as opposed to your cliche explosive anger? Kind of try hurting the people you love in some new ways. Anybody? No? Okay. I guess there sounds like a boring year coming up. Um, How many of you guys are planning on gaining 20 pounds of non-muscle mass this year? Anybody? You guys need some goals. Oh my gosh. All right. How many of you parents, big year, how many of you parents are planning on neglecting your kids by overworking this year? You're going to try to get a few extra hours in of neglect each week. Anybody? Okay. Um, How many guys are really looking forward to developing your very own shame inducing addiction this year? You've seen your friends have them. Your family of origin has them. You're like, you know what? I'm going to step in. I'm going to be an adult, get my own addiction. Anybody? How many of you guys are planning on being deceived by sin this year and growing less sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit? How many of you guys, that's your, you're like, I want to get hardened this year. Now, all jokes aside, none of us plan on that, but how often in our lives do we end up in a destination we didn't like put into our GPS of our life? And we feel like, man, I'm in a place I didn't want to be. I'm becoming a person. I don't want to become, and I don't look like the Jesus I claim to worship. And so I think there is some truth to the idea of um, 
failing to plan, meaning that you're planning to fail, that in a fallen world, we have a flesh, scripture says, and, and there's an enemy in this world, and we live in a fallen space that we naturally move towards and away from growth and sanctification and health, and we often move towards um, the wrong things. And so this series is on sanctification or spiritual growth, the process by which we become like Jesus. It's how we become like Jesus, how we change or grow. But this series isn't just a series on spiritual growth. It's a series on spiritual growth in community, in community. Because we want you to know that you can't just become like Jesus. You can't become like Jesus all by yourself. There's great value in engaging the spiritual disciplines. There's great value in setting aside time to, 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 to be with Jesus, to read his word, to pray. There's great value in um, studying things. There's great value in um, you know, different exercises you could do on your own. But, but what the New Testament says about our growth in Christ is that each other are essential, that we're members of a body. And there's only so, much, so many things a hand can do all by itself, removed from a body or a branch can do removed from a, um, uh, a vine. Um, just like children cannot grow up into physical and relational maturity without the help of a responsible, available, loving family, so too disciples cannot grow into spiritual maturity without the help of a spiritual family. You cannot follow Jesus apart from his body, the church. And here's the thing I want you to think about. One of our values as a church is, is family. So it's kind of like a series doing a deep dive into the family value. Now, the thing about families that are really good are uh, they're good. There is care. There is generosity. There is welcome. There's a space to belong. There are people that bear your burdens and walk alongside you. Um, but the other thing about families is families are made up of fallen people, right? All of us. And all of us bring our fallenness to community. And so what can happen is even in a spiritual family that's trying to be healthy, um, you can have pockets of dysfunction. Because I don't know if you know this, you have pockets of dysfunction in you. And I have them in me. And so this, this is a series where we want to re-look at the idea of community. Uh, 2020 was not good for community life. Uh, led to the scattering of the church. Only very recently did we start meeting kind of outdoors and in a unique way. Um, so we really want to, to, to look closely at how to do community, both as a reboot, because it's been a while, and some of us are rusty, and we've maybe forgotten how to do community life, um, but also because I think we're, we're um, you know, seven, eight years into the life of our church. There's going to be things that we, we have some bad habits as a family. We have pockets of dysfunction that we need to work on and grow through. Does that make sense? There are things about our family I want to keep. There are things we need to grow in as we mature personally. It's going to lead to a more mature community. And so this series is about becoming like Jesus in community. Coming out of isolation, coming back into interdependence, but wanting to do it even better than we did it before. And so I have two points today. I'm hoping this will be a mercifully short sermon. The first one is this. By the way, I have my notes this week, guys. Get excited, okay? <laughs> Topical sermon with notes. Huge, huge stuff. All right, number one is this. Growth isn't automatic. Growth isn't automatic. We don't accidentally accomplish goals in our life. We don't accidentally become like Jesus. And a lot of us don't grow because, well, we don't try to. I've had people tell me uh, as a pastor, oh, yeah, I tried Christianity once. It didn't work for me. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I went to church, a church service twice. I'm like, oh, it's, you never actually followed Jesus. It sounds like that church service didn't work for you. But, but you haven't followed, and I even know people who are, who are claim to be Christians for long periods, and they don't do the things he says to do, and then they blame him for the results they don't see in their life. And for us to go, you know what, we have to actually work at obeying Jesus. 
That's like me um, being married to my wife and me never working on growing in our emotional, spiritual, relational, physical intimacy and then complaining, going, hey, marriage doesn't really work for me three years later. And some people do that. But again, you go, no, 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 probably, probably you need to invest in this thing and nurture this thing. And it's the same thing in our apprenticeship to Jesus. We have to work at it. It's like school didn't really work for me. Did you do, uh, I didn't do my homework. Okay, well, it probably could go better. And so for us, um, uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 uh, to 8, the Apostle Paul writes, but have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Just good, good spice for 2020. Controversies, conspiracies. Rather, train yourself in godliness. For the training of the body has a limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. For this reason, we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Paul says we need to train ourselves in godliness. We have to work at it. We don't microwave godliness. We have to, it's a meal you slow cook. In Jude 20 uh, to 21, it's a one chapter book. It says, but you dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So Jude 20, we have to build ourselves up in the most holy faith. We have to build each other up in the most holy faith. Verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus for eternal life. We need to be intentional to keep ourselves in the love of God. And what this passage uh, talks about, keeping ourselves in his love, it's not saying um, we're trying to, to keep his love through our actions or works, like a man who's trying to keep his girlfriend from breaking up with him. So I'm trying to keep and earn your love. Don't think earning. Think experiencing. We're not earning his love, but we want to experience his love. It's more like working to put yourself in the path of experiencing God's love. Again, God's lavish grace and unending love towards us in Christ is as certain as the waves crashing against the beach. If you were to go to Sunset Cliffs this, after, you know, this afternoon, you're around four, you'd see a sunset. It's sure every day. God's grace towards you in Christ is sure every day. But you're not going to see the sunset if you don't go look at it. It's as sure as the waves crashing on the shore. Again, you're not going to experience that if you don't grab a surfboard. You're not going to ride that wave if you don't jump on the surfboard and, and, and ride it in. And so in Jesus, the love of the Father is always blowing in your direction, but we need to be intentional about putting ourselves in positions to experience that love and remember that love. And so we need to be intentional to experience uh, growth, which is my second big point. One is growth not automatic, but number two, we need to be intentional about growth for a couple of reasons. Number one, the reason we have to be intentional is we suffer from gospel amnesia. We suffer from gospel amnesia. We're prone to forget the gospel. I know you're here this morning, you're like, Andy, I'm at a church service outside. It's like 50 degrees out, bro. I'm a serious disciple. So you guys got here seven o'clock to set up. Your hands are freezing. Um, you're like, Andy, I know there's like some people out there. They're, you know, I'm a hardcore uh, follower of Jesus. I'm not going to forget the gospel. But the New Testament argues that it's possible for faithful disciples of Jesus to lose sight of the gospel. In 2 Timothy, Paul says something similar when he writes to a young church planner who he's discipling as a son in the faith. Now, in um, Paul's letters to Timothy, he lays out how to select elders. 
So this man's appointing pastors in local churches. He's a leader of leaders. And Paul writes this to him in his second letter to him. He says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David is preached in my gospel. Again, it seems like a really strange thing. I'm a leader. I don't know if you've ever thought about coming to me and just saying, Andy, don't forget, don't forget about Jesus. It's like, oh, dude, I'm a pastor. That's my thing, right? But Paul did that with Timothy. And I think it's because Timothy is facing severe stress, the kind of thing that causes you to take your eyes off of Jesus and put them onto yourself. Tim Keller, commenting on this passage, says this, knowing how quickly our own thoughts can turn inward and away from the gospel when we are suffering, Paul exhorts Timothy to remember Jesus Christ. And 2020 has given us a lot of reasons to doubt God's goodness, to doubt his faithfulness, if our eyes are not fixed on Jesus. If you're just looking at circumstances, it is tough to remember the gospel. And so we need to, um, we need reminding. This is who Jesus is. This is what he has done. This is what the story we live in actually is. This is how it ends. This is who you are in light of what Jesus has done for you. This is how you're called to live in light of who you are in him because you're united to him and you're identified with him. We need, we need reminding of this gospel truth. And so if a disciple of the apostle Paul needed to be reminded of the gospel, how much more do we need to be reminded as 2020 to 2021 followers of Jesus in Southern California, 2,000 years removed from the person of Jesus? We need it a lot. We have gospel amnesia. Jesus says, with communion, do it in remembrance of me. Just, it just seems so strange. Like, do this to show that you love me. He's like, do this to remember me. We are forgetful people. We're not just forgetful, though. Our flesh is forgetful, but, but we live in a world uh, that has a current to it. And, and the other thing we are is we are prone to spiritual drift. We're prone to spiritual drift. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. I remember as a kid, um, I grew up in Imperial Beach, and um, when my mom was feeling fancy, we would go to Coronado to hit the beach. IB, half the time it was closed. It was like sewage from Mexico. It was this whole thing. Uh, it was a wild beach, a lot of drug use going on, a lot, a lot of, anyways, fun stuff in IB. My, my mom would go, hey guys, we're going to Coronado. We're going to live it up, okay? Fancy. And we go to Coronado, and, uh, and, and, and I feel like because it was just on paper, like less dangerous and wild, uh, she just let us run wild. She let us kind of do our own thing a little bit more. And I'll never forget, I remember I, I went out, I was probably eight, I was probably my son Calvin's age now. I went out to the water, and I remember just like looking at her, getting excited, kind of boogie boarding, hanging out with my friends. Um, and I lost one of my friends. And then over time, I, I, keep, I, started, I kept looking back to the shore, and I'm like, my mom's not there. My mom is not, the, I always knew she was going to leave me. <laughs> Today's that day. And I started, and I remember I ran out, and I was like looking and looking and looking, and I remember freaking out and eventually talking to a lifeguard and him going, hey, well, let, let's look around, because sometimes the water can, can, can carry you. There's, there's rip currents. They can carry you. And actually, even though I never decided to swim away from my mom, the, the current carried me. Life has no problem carrying you with its current to where it wants you to go. And again, it's rarely the place you want to go if you could pick it in advance. Um, and, and the author of Hebrews says this. We have to pay careful attention to what we've heard so that we do not drift away. Um, I've become a lot less impressed with people who start things well 
and become a lot more impressed with people who finish things well. A good start is, is easier than it seems, and a good finish is harder than it seems. Um, churches and disciples can start well. You and I can start well. But over time, we can drift and become less than we're called to be. And this is the story all throughout the scripture. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Uh, I had a, a couple of phrases I feel like God gave me. The first one is, um, there's the story where, where we move from Exodus to idolatry. So the book of Exodus, God delivers the people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. They experience the plagues. They experience the parting of the Red Sea. Six weeks later, like, you know what? We should worship a golden statue because we're impatient and anxious. We just feel like we need to react and do something, like 2020, right? It, it, it just seems so silly, and we can mock it, but, but we have these same um, tendencies in our heart. Um, throughout the book of Judges, this from deliverance to debauchery, um, a few hundred years after the exodus in the book of Judges, God's people are in a, like, a rough, uh, like loop, like time loop, where they um, sin and rebel against God. They end up being um, oppressed and dominated by a foreign oppressor. Um, and then they end up crying out for a deliverer and they end up turning back to God and repentance and renewal, renewal uh, meet the land. And they start following Jesus again and, and, and God, or they follow God again. God delivers them. They get rich and free. And then they forget God. And then they end up back in sin again and doing their own thing. And they go, I don't know. You can mock them. But that loop is often our life. Without any intentionality, that is our life. Um, King David, uh, from victor to villain, goes from slaying Goliath, man after God's own heart, shows mercy to Saul several times, becomes a man who is fine with murder and an abuse of power. And then uh, even in the New Testament, it's a man with the Holy Spirit, um, Pentecost, kind of a big deal. We have old kind of denomination of the church, you know, Pentecostals. Uh, the Apostle Peter preaches at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit falls. Um, probably th you know, at least, at least 3,000 people become followers of Jesus in a day. This is after. He's probably riding a high. I feel like this service is really going places. I feel like, I feel like this sermon's taking off. Um, Peter, uh, he denies Jesus not once, not twice, but three times probably filled with shame and guilt and fear. Jesus shows up, awkward moment. I don't know if you've ever um, let your friend down and led to their death and then they rose from the dead. If you've ever been in that scenario, it's awkward. You see him again, you're like, oh man, sorry. Caiaphas's house, oh man, I punked out. Especially after you made like really strong ride or die commitments that he didn't even ask you to make. You ever have a friend like, you ever make a commitment they didn't even ask you to make and you can't follow through on it? Or someone overcommits to you, they're like, dude, I got you, bro. I have friends who've actually told me, anytime you need to move, I will help you move. I'm like, I wasn't even asking for that. But now I know. And then they're not there, whatever. Right? Uh, Peter does, he's like, you know what? I'll follow you to the death, Jesus. I got your back, bro. And they show up and he leaves. And so um, he has this moment, shame, guilt. Jesus restores him on the beach, kind of breakfast at the beach, beautiful moment. Um, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Go feed my sheep. Jesus um, reaffirms his calling both to himself and he gives him this mission he allows him to be a leader. And uh, he goes, Pentecost preaches, at least 3,000 people saved. You go, okay, this guy gets it. But then we read in the book of Galatians that, that, that Peter eventually, post being restored by the risen Jesus, talk about a camp high. Talk about a moment of grace. 
Talk about a moment of feeling your sin and weakness covered by someone who is greater than you and knowing your sins removed and being given a second chance on life. And we realize that Peter needs a third chance because in Galatia he is, uh, um, or Annie, I forget what city he's in, but in the letter to Galatians, Paul just says that he basically, he cares what people think. He's a people pleaser and he denies the gospel again. He wants to be cool. And he starts um, uh, rejecting people and, and, again, denying the gospel again. And, and so from Pentecost to, to people-pleasing, we are complicated. We are messy. We are slow. I'm more convinced than ever that sanctification is so, so, so slow. And, and, and here's the thing about that. That could seem, depression, seem depressing. But I, what I want you to know is it's not just slow. It's sure. It is happening. It's not on your timeline, but it is happening. One day we will be like him. We will see him and we will be like him. One day Peter, uh, we know he stopped punking out. Church history tells us he was crucified upside down. All he had to do was recant, recant his faith and he didn't. It's slow, but here's the thing, you guys. We, without intentionality, we will drift. We will drift. And, and so the last reason we have to be intentional, though, is, is there's one other thing. There's a, a flesh and a weakness. Uh, there's a gospel amnesia. There's a spiritual drift uh, in the world. But there's also um, the fact that we are under attack and we often don't know it. This is the idea of spiritual warfare. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 to 9, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring, roaring lion looking for someone to devour Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of suffering. The enemy of our souls knows a whole lot about humans. He's been observing us for millennia and then some. He knows, our, he knows how to use our weaknesses and our insecurities against us. He's like a lion. Lions prey on the slower and the weaker. The young, kind of babies, the old, those whose bodies are slowing down, and, 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 and the, the injured. Satan, in the same way, looks for those who fall behind. Satan, in the same way, looks for those who fall behind, followers of Jesus who are isolated and on their own. Um... Those who are new in their faith, kind of the babies, those who are experiencing painful circumstances or relationships or, or health challenges or whatever it is, people who, who are struggling to believe that God cares about them. Lions victims are often unaware of the threat until it's too late. Our enemy does the same thing. He slowly but surely whispers lies in our ears, and if we listen to them, they will ruin our lives. He slowly takes us away. In 2 Corinthians 11.3, Paul writes, But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may be somehow led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. That we can be led astray. Um, to be led astray, we have to be deceived. And normally you don't know you're being deceived. I don't know if you guys, has anyone ever signed up to be deceived? Like on front end, you're like, I'm going to get deceived right now, Right? No, it's a slow thing that happens. You're lied to. You think that someone's taking you into a good place until it's too late. 
And so we have to be intentional about living in and experiencing the truth. Otherwise, we can easily be led astray by lies. Um, and so we need to be intentional. So, so growth is not automatic, and we need to be intentional about growth because we are prone to gospel amnesia, spiritual drift, and spiritual attack that we're often unaware of. And so we need community, and we need Jesus if we want to grow. Um, my last point is this, is we can partner with God to facilitate growth if the conditions are right. We can partner with God to facilitate growth if the conditions are right. Here's the thing that, that I can't do as a leader. I can't make you love Jesus more. Like, like I, I, can, I can peer pressure you maybe and create a culture of peer pressure where, where we force people to, to do certain behaviors, but I can't make anyone bear spiritual fruit, and neither can you. It's something that the, the Holy Spirit does, but he doesn't, rem, doesn't do it removed from community. So when I'm talking about change, don't think like um, just serving at church more or kind of like these like random markers. I want you to think of like, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Things that only the Spirit can um, rot in you. And again, think about it. Like, I can't, you can't make anyone have joy. I struggle to make myself have joy, right? Like, like that's, a, that's, a, that's a challenging thing. Like, these are Holy Spirit characteristics. They're not just like random religious behaviors. But what we can do is partner with God to help facilitate that process. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9, the Apostle Paul, is he's talking to um, a church that's divided. Uh, basically, they're picking their favorite leaders. So there's like a group of people. They're like, I'm a Royce guy. I'm an Adam guy. I'm an Andy guy. Uh, I'm a Josh Lewis guy, right? Uh, and so they're kind of divided. They're picking leaders. And, and Paul's going to go, hey, there's a foolishness to that because while leaders' roles and gifts are important— they only have any value if God's in it. And so he says, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. Paul describes himself in verse six. I planted the seed. Apollos, another church leader, watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants, Paul, nor the one who waters, Apollos, is anything but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's fields. So when you think for a second about farming or God's fields, um, farmers historically, especially in the past, they had a part to play, but much of what would make a, a, like a successful harvest season um, successful was out of their control. For example, if it didn't rain, there's famine uh, pretty quickly in the ancient world. Um, but the farmers didn't sit back idly by either and just pray for food. It wasn't like, hey, put on your farmer hat, we're going to go pray and just hope for a miracle, right? Uh, manna did happen, right? That, that's the thing that happened. Um, but that wasn't the, the, the normative reality. Farmers, what they would do is they, they worked to create the conditions that would make growth possible if rain and sunlight did show up. They would do their part and ask God to bring what only he can bring to the table. And so farmers couldn't control the outcome, but they could do their best to create the conditions. And so uh, conditions like light and soil and water and, and, and seed, um, they did their best to, to, to set up um, an environment that would be conducive to growth. And so the key to spiritual growth in the church is, is, is similar. We, we want to work together to create an environment that helps facilitate growth happening. 
facilitates us encountering the risen Jesus. It, it, it facilitates us encountering the Holy Spirit. It, it facilitates us being honest about where we need him and then stepping into following him step by step. And so that's what the rest of the series is going to be about. We're going to look at each one of those conditions. Um, next week, John Dennett's going to preach on safety. Um, then we'll look at self-awareness, gospel encouragement, vulnerability, serving one another in love. Again, safety, we can't receive what we need to grow if we're afraid. We don't think it's safe. I don't care how good your cooking is. I, if, I, if I have this belief that you're going to poison me, I'm never going to eat your food. If it feels safe, I can't receive from you. Self-awareness, we can't grow if we don't know where we need to grow. We're going to talk about the role of the spirit and community and helping us discern where we need to grow. We'll look at things like our trajectory and our patterns. A lot of us, all of us, are naturally deceived by sin. A lot of us think we're doing better than we actually are or are worried about things that don't matter as much as, as they do. And God uses community to help us see lovingly when we're safe the truth about ourselves, which leads to um, gospel encouragement as, as people. We're going to do a whole week on this, but we, all, we develop narratives and messages about ourselves growing up. Um, they could come from our family of origin. They come from the enemy. They come from ourselves. Um, narratives like, you have to prove yourself. No one loves you. You aren't worth anything. You're defined by your performance, or you're defined by a failure in your past, or you're defined by something that was done to you or spoken over you. We need people to come in and uh, who bring gospel truth, who can point us to the right messages. No, this is who you actually are. This is who you aren't, and this is who Jesus is. This is the story you live in. Uh, vulnerability, letting others in to see the real us. Again, you can have the best doctor in the world, um, but if, if you don't let them in. So, so once safety is there, you're able to be vulnerable to let them in to really look at your heart in your life. And then serving one another in love. Again, we prove to people that we love them by serving them when they need it most, which helps us know that love is genuine. It's not just words, but, but there's action to it. And so those are the conditions we're going to talk about in this series. After that, we're going to go through the book of Romans, which we're really excited about. It's going to be a deep dive into a book. But, but we really felt like looking at community is going to be so, so, so important as we, as we work through um, that book together. And so to close, I want to look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 18 says, we all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image. We're being transformed into the image of Jesus from one degree of glory to the next. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. Um, I find this, again, to be really encouraging. Um, it says from one degree of glory to the next. It doesn't say 180. So if, if it's taking a while, you're on, um, you're on track, you're on time. But will you partner with Jesus in this season? Um, I don't really like tea. I'm, I, frankly, I'm probably addicted to coffee. I need to work through that in 2021. I think it's a well-established pattern I need to deal with. But um, whenever I travel, whenever I go to England or to South Africa, um, everyone, uh, Hong Kong, people bring tea out. That's the move. Hey, you want tea? You want tea? You want tea? You want tea? And um, it was kind of funny. One of the first times I ever had tea was in South Africa, where I like, actually was trying to have tea. And, um, and I'll never forget, um, uh, this girl Lucy made tea, and she put it in front of me. And I started drinking it pretty quickly. And I just remember thinking, this is so bland. Like, how do people do this? And the funny thing about it was, is like, the tea bag had not steeped at all. So the issue isn't 
uh, is tea good? The issue is, is I'm too early in the process to know if it's good. And, and, and so um, the reality is, is that um, you've been given everything you need for life and godliness. With the spirit in you, your sanctification, your becoming like Jesus is sure, but it takes time. And so this is going to, you know, are you down for the dunking? Are you down for the steeping? It is slow, but it is sure. Just like, just like that tea bag has everything it needs inside of it to make a great cup of tea happen. You have everything inside of you to begin to reflect the nature and character of Jesus and new parts of your life you haven't let him into yet. So you guys, God's going to call you to forgive in a way you have never forgiven or even knew forgiveness was possible and you're terrified of it, but you're going to do it and you're going to have more joy than you ever thought. That'll happen this year. Some of you guys are struggling um, with besetting addictive sins. And that's okay. That's part of the journey too. But maybe you need to bring that stuff into the light for the first time and, and get the help you need. Some of you guys um, are going to be face-to-face -face with unhealthy kind of toxic relational patterns you've never dealt with. And you're going to actually uh, start to obey things like bear with one another and be patient with one another. There is so much hope for the type of people we can be, the abundant life that's in Jesus. And this year it's going to happen slowly but surely. But it'll only happen if we allow the dunking to happen. If we, if we open ourselves up to partner with him. If we're willing to um, admit we need his help and be intentional. And go, hey, if I want to grow, I have to, to get at this thing. And I need other people's help to do it. Studies show off the charts that if you want to get in shape, if you have a workout partner, you're way more likely to get in shape. Uh, spiritually, it's the same thing. And so this year, as we dive into community, will you open yourself up to community? And will you open yourself up to his people? Um, in closing, uh, Josh, would you come on up to uh, dive into our second set of worship? Um, we have communion. Um, little, did you guys get communion on the way in? Um, if you didn't get communion, just raise your hand. I'll get you a little communion. Hands in the air like you just don't care. If you need communion, come on, come on. I see that hand. I see that hand. Let's keep them up. Keep them up. Thank you, hospitality team. And one of the things I want to do as, as we go into communion is, is here's the reality is we are all in need of change. We are not who we're supposed to be. We're not who we used to be, but we're not who we're, we're supposed to be yet. And we're all in that process. And the grace of Jesus says it's safe to go on that journey. It's safe to admit what's wrong with us because on the cross, Jesus died to cover our sin and weakness so that we're no longer defined by it. We can choose to work on it, but we're not defined by it. So anything the Spirit brings up in 2021 that he wants you to deal with, you don't have to be afraid of it. He doesn't bring things up to shame us. He brings things up to set us free. But it's only safe to look at our, our, our blind spots and our sin issues if we have trusted in what Jesus did on the cross for us. And so grace makes it possible to, 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 it makes safety possible, but it also makes growth possible. It opens up grace to us. And the grace of God doesn't just cover our sin, but it sets us free from the power of sin. And so right now, um, if you guys would uh, open up the, uh, take the bread first. Whenever you guys are ready, you can, um, uh, yeah, you can just eat the bread. We'll uh, take the juice in a second. Um, but Jesus, we thank you that you laid down your life to set us free. You were rejected that we might be accepted. You were marred on the cross so that we might be set free from the fact that we were marred by the fall. You created a new creation, a recreation, so that we can become someone who looks like you. 
that as bad as 2020 has been, um, there is a new year and there is a new us in that year because our sanctification, though it is slow, it is sure. And we thank you for the fact that you've reconciled us both to the Father and the Spirit and yourself, this triune God who loves to make us new, this Holy Spirit who helps us, this Jesus who reflects what we're called to be, and this Father who showers us with his love and his encouragement as we slowly but surely learn to become like Jesus, just like when the, the most mediocre of parents roots for their kids when they're learning to walk or talk. You infinitely more root for us, even in our failure, when we're trying to obey you and love you and become like you. So Jesus, thank you for dying to reconcile us to that Father and that Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. You guys can go ahead and drink the juice. So right now, would you guys stand uh, as we'll, we'll close uh, with the time of worship. But as you do, would you ask God, what are you calling me to this year? What do you, Spirit, in a spirit of safety, Holy Spirit, would you, would you reveal to me, maybe I'm not ready to talk to the other people that are here in this field today, and that's fine, but between me and you, Holy Spirit, is there anything you want to change in my life and in my character? Is there self-control? Is there joy? Is there peace? Is there love? Is there greater faithfulness? And then the second question I want you to ask is, who are you calling me to, to ask to help in this season at this church? Is there anyone that, that, that could come alongside me, not to fix me, but to help create the conditions to where I can thrive as a follower of Jesus and so can others in this community? And so, um, Josh, would you take us away into a time of, of worship?